0: Sorry, I just, like, I did not give you any warning, and then no. I just pressed record. No, you literally record.
1: pushed record right as I was going hefty, hefty,
0: hefty. <laughs> <laughs> um, Welcome sorry? to a peek
1: behind the scenes. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we just parted the kimono. Um, mm. I have never found a good time to press record ever. No. <laughs> <laughs> not even once. Uh, so how are you? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. She just nodded, mm-hmm. um, and then stared Which is blankly really at me. Just really good for a podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I I think I'm the same. Yeah. It's a tired day. It's a tired day. It's also Super Bowl Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, you just had to go to the grocery store with what I'm sure was an insane amount of people. It was an insane amount of people. Uh. So what did you buy exactly? Um. So
1: we were talking about boat drinks. We were,
0: as we all want to do.
1: Yep. So I got a Bacardi party drink mix.
0: Guys, it is neon blue. It is neon blue and it's called Zombie. It's just called Zombie, guys. So, it's incredibly troubling. That's <laughs> why I bought it. Yep, and it is um it's got like a coconut flavor to it. It's got yeah. some citrusiness.
1: You know what's really fun, everyone? What? I don't like coconut. And you did
0: this. I did this. Because there wasn't yourself. coconut
1: on the cover, it's thing. true.
0: It's true. It's it not what misleading. I was expecting. There's
1: oranges and what looks like water, which could be mistaken for clear rum.
0: It's true. Like, yeah, this is not anything like what I expected like, this to taste like.
1: Citrus. Like maybe a little pineapple, sure. which also I'm not a huge fan of. <laughs> and I instantly i'm regretting suggesting boat drinks because i don't like most of the things that go into boat i'm just drinks. gonna say
0: like we man we're gonna be on island time like it's yeah. actually kind of a balmy 50 degrees yeah, here it's really it's nice probably outside probably it's... closer to 45 but it was fucking nice out mm-hmm. like sunny and the sun was warm enough that at one point i was outside today without a coat on and i was perfectly comfortable yeah it was awesome so yeah we were like look let's go get some boat drinks act like it's summer And um, look, it's just come back to bite us in the ass as it always does. When will we learn, Emily? We won't. We never will.
1: (laughs) It was either this
0: or cans of wine, so. Okay. I mean, for me, this is fine. For Mm -hmm. you, you may have to chug that a little fast in order to be okay with it. And, you know, that's really up to you. Mm -hmm. Do you want to suffer or do you want to be drunk? (laughs) Well, you put
1: it like that. (laughs)
0: And she starts sucking it down (laughs) incredibly quickly. We got some big ass straws, so we we can take this stuff down real quick if we need to. Mm -hmm. You're probably hearing a lot of jingling ice. I love trying to edit that out. (laughs) I've stopped trying. Yeah, (laughs) people know we drink. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's that good shit. Is that the slogan? No. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm.
1: Says an exotic zombie <sighs> cocktail.
0: Zombie. Makes me want to eat brains. Mm-hmm. Sure is ready to pour. It just says, yeah, an exotic zombie cocktail. We need to look up what that means. It's gonna bug the shit out of me. Okay. Why, you can't just call something zombie and not explain what that means. Well, I as mean, if you can. I, Technically speaking, you can because they did. I, I mean, okay, yes. It's not illegal. Yes. <laughs> that doesn't mean I fucking am cool with it.
1: Zombie cocktail.
0: The zombie cocktail.
1: That is not the same color.
0: Not even close, (laughs) you guys. Okay, the zombie cocktail is fucking like orange. (laughs) Why is this one like this? So it's, the zombie cocktail is one part
1: 151. Oh. One part golden rum, one part white rum, one part apricot brandy. One part dark rum, one part lime juice, and one part pineapple juice.
0: This is made, the one you got is made with Bacardi 151. So,
1: there's nothing in that, Mm -hmm. in the original zombie cocktail,
0: that's blue. Right. Literally
1: nothing in there is blue.
0: This doesn't give me enough information about what's in it to know what would be making it blue.
1: scrolling through the iterations of zombie cocktails... (laughs)
0: I do just need I do just need you to be real with me here for a sec. Um did you get this because it's made with Picardi 151? No,
1: I got it because it says zombie. Okay.
0: That's because literally like, it. I feel like you were gonna fuck us up. And I wasn't gonna notice that until you said the cocktail was made with one fifty one, and I was like, there's no way they actually made it with one fifty. Yes, they did. They did, and this could be We could debi- light this on fire. Very possible. This is twelve point five percent alcohol. <laughs> Did you literally, I know it's under the word zombie and you were very concerned with it being a zombie, but like 12.5% it. alcohol is a lot. This is like more than a glass of wine per glass. So we should probably be very careful. Um, okay. I'm going to need a ride to anywhere. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just guessing it right now. If I do anything tonight, I'm going to need a ride there. <laughs> I have to get my pre in though because I won't be able to drink it as fast because I'm going to be talking because I'm going first. We're still doing a swippy swaps. So I have a non-true crime story and Emily has a true crime story. God, we hope you like this guys. Mine involves <laughs> a boat. So uh, mine Wait, involves water. So does mine. Nice. Oh, shit. Oh, Is that why you wanted to do boat drinks? Yeah. Hey, I'm um, on a scale of one to oh no. How shitty is yours? On a scale of one to harp noise, how shitty is yours?
1: Um, I mean, it's not not harp noise, but okay. it's like a
0: soft harp noise. Okay. Okay. Like okay. there's a light. Okay. That's it's nice. Just, yeah. You know. Right. Mine's a, a lot th- of, I'd say mine is the same blood covering the light Ew. before we get to the light. Ew. And sharks. You just might have to wipe that blood away. To find the light. Yeah, and move the sharks. And sharks. Mm-hmm. My God. I can't. But no cannibalism. Oh, really? Not, yeah. not even a little bit? Nope. nope. Damn it. Well, mine either. I can't say anything. Yeah. So what are you talking about? Oh, nothing. Just a little thing that we talk about a lot that we hate a lot. You're going to be excited.
1: Being lost at sea? No. Getting caught in a giant wave? Like the video that I sent you?
0: what no did you get inspiration from the fucking video i sent you oh when did you send me that because i don't actually remember receiving that video because if i did then i would have been like even more jazzed about this because i i just kind of did this because i didn't know what else to do but if you also sent me a video why are we on the same fucking wavelength
1: i sent you that video Uh uh-huh friday at 11 o'clock at night
0: this Friday? Yes. Oh, I had already started my research by then. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is fine. We are literally the same person. Mm-hmm. We live um, on the same wavelength and, mm-hmm. and plane of existence. Mm-hmm. And um, this is just who we are. Dear Emily, it's December twenty sixth, 2004. <laughs> oh, God. It's the day after Christmas. Some people know that as Boxing Day. Um, in our country, it's like... It's the time to use your Christmas presents, the one and only time you will probably use most of them, mm-hmm. and then take, like, naps.
1: And then return everything.
0: Yeah, <laughs> return a bunch of stuff, eat some leftover cookies. So, but in Thailand, this particular day, it'll always be remembered a little differently now, specifically oh, this Boxing Day in 2004.
1: Yeah, I remember this.
0: Yes, this will be remembered as the day of the earthquake and then the tsunami, I was 14 when this happened. At 12.58 a.m. Coordinated Universal Time, which is a fun thing I had to learn a little bit about. Apparently, that is exactly 6.58 p.m. Central Standard Time. So it was 6.58 p.m. where we live now on December 26th when it all started. What's known as an undersea megathrust earthquake at a magnitude of one, 9.1 to 9.3. It's huge. It's fucking huge. Sidebar, like 3 days beforehand there had been one off the coast of New Zealand as well that was like an 8. Mm-hmm. So, it was like kind of a crazy day. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a crazy couple of days. A
1: crazy time to be on that side of the world.
0: Oh my god. Yeah. Um so This one occurred, this big old fucking earthquake under the sea, occurred off the west coast of uh, northern Sumatra in Indonesia. The quake was so big, it actually caused like a rupture along the fault line between two tectonic plates. Whoa. It was the third largest quake ever recorded, ever, with the longest ever duration, including like aftershocks and things like that. So now, if you don't know, when earthquakes occur underneath the water, a lot of shit can go down. Like, obviously, a lot of shit can go down when they happen on land, too, but this fucks with so much stuff. Yeah. When it's happening beneath the ocean, it often does have something to do with, like, the tectonic plates and how they are moving together. So something that massive happening underneath the water, one, it means, like, one of the plates suddenly juts up in the water like several meters within a second which Mm -hmm. displaces a huge amount of water apparently the amount of energy created by this quake and by that movement of those plates was about uh, 1500 times that of the hiroshima atomic bomb (laughs) it's fucking insane Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm fucking ruined about it right now
1: yeah so like for anyone who's like new Mm -hmm. both Taylor and I have this thing about gigantic waves Mm Mm-hmm. Um, mainly personal problems with the idea, just the idea of them. The idea
0: of facing one as it comes towards you. That's as tall
1: as a skyscraper. Yeah.
0: Um. If anyone's ever seen the movie Interstellar, I literally find that planet where it's just dead water that's like knee high until like every eight minutes or some shit. A huge, like... I don't skyscraper sized wave just heads towards you. Um, That was like triggering. That was like very upsetting. I don't know what it triggered because that's nothing like that has ever really happened to me. But I was incredibly not okay with that scene. And um, we both do not ever want to get stuck in a situation where there is a big old fucking wave coming towards you. Yep. We're talking about that. That's exactly, I just decided to do that one today. Yeah. I tried to make it not so much about the actual experience of like someone standing in front of this wave as it was coming toward them. But because, also, I mean, yeah. All these stories are close enough. Yeah. So we'll fucking see how we take it. So, yeah, so Hiroshima atomic bomb, but like 1,500 of them go off underneath the water all this water is displaced apparently seismic waves from this earthquake were detected across the world like there sure. was like a reader in Oklahoma that read it wow. was like hey that's weird something funky's happening so the first waves that are usually created in this situation are in the like deep ocean where the actual epicenter of the earthquake is and those waves crazy enough move like 300 to 600 miles per hour
1: Some poor squid just got hit by one just spinning in a circle. And just yeah. I mean, probably
0: in the end kind of fine, but like fucked up for a while. Like fucked up for a sec. Yeah. Cause the thing is, like, these ones are so big, they just sort of stay in these massive humps. Mm -hmm. And they don't actually have a lot of like things to damage. Yeah. And and they're just not very harmful. But as big waves like that head towards shore, the shallower they get in the water, like the more they slow down. Until the ones reaching land are usually only going, like, 10 to 20 miles per hour. But they crest into these enormous, sharp, dangerous, fucking destructive waves. And that's the kind of thing we don't like. That's the exact...
1: You know, just just, like, getting hit by a building. Mm Mm-hmm. Going ten miles an
0: hour. Right, it's as if a building moved toward you and then fell on top of you, mm-hmm. and then crushed you against maybe some other shit, and then another building came, mm-hmm. and then you like yeah, and then the idea of maybe never being able to be free of the building because yeah. they just keep coming every yeah. time you. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. It's It's literally fine.
1: It's fine. It's literally fucking horrifying. (laughs) This is why we live in the middle of the United States and not
0: on a coast. Like, the ocean's cool and all, but also, fuck that shit Mm -hmm. right there. Mm -hmm. Fuck it. Okay. Okay. Just some typical warning signs of a tsunami for people like us who might be concerned about this kind of thing happening (laughs) in their lives. Well, we live in Wisconsin. I know, right? But still, you're aware... um, Usually there's at least a couple of warning signs. There are even devices that can detect these things in certain mm-hmm. places. Like tsunamis are actually on like in the Pacific. They're pretty. Yeah. It's a thing that happens. So a lot of countries have detecting devices. None of the countries involved in this story did just an FYI, not in 2004. Well, first off, have you, what have you heard as far as a tsunami? <laughs> like when a tsunami might happen, if anything,
1: um, that if there's a big enough earthquake, mm-hmm. That the risk of a tsunami happening within the next hour to a couple of days Mm -hmm. is entirely likely.
0: Right. Like, so a warning sign of a tsunami is an earthquake. Like, that is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One that they can say, like, originated in the ocean. That is absolutely true.
1: Or close enough to the shoreline that's massive enough to, like, Mm -hmm. create some shit. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Have you also heard of that, like, the stories of the uh, tide receding really far mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. as a warning. Yeah. Yep. Um, I read that like, even in this case, I'm going to talk about that does that did happen in some places and in some places it didn't like sometimes there are warning signs such as that and sometimes there are no warning signs at all whatsoever. Like all of a sudden you just look out at the water and you see it. Yeah. And you have no time. Yeah. <laughs> like you can do everything you can to get to higher ground. But like I did read some things about people being like, hey, I think I might have just felt an earthquake. We're gonna go just get to higher ground. We're just gonna get yeah. to higher ground. We've well, heard you, about this yeah, before. Yeah, when you
1: live in that kind of an area,
0: mm-hmm. they're aware of it. That's there's, a very smart reaction to have. Yeah, there's stories. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I put this at the end, but like there was one island that was able to fully evacuate evacuate before the tsunami hit. And that was um, in one of the islands of Indonesia called Simulu. Um, it was close to the epicenter. The island folklore recounted an earthquake and tsunami in uh, 1907. So the islanders fled the island hills Right as they heard the shaking, they were like, oh, fuck, no, we're getting out of here. That's going (laughs) to happen again. Smart. And they were right. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like the only, I mean, obviously a lot of their land and uh, property was destroyed, but But they they didn't lose lives the way that a lot of these other places did. Speaking of which. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, About this particular tsunami, most accounts from the most populated areas where the tsunami hit, people described it happening in three distinct waves first one was the smallest (laughs) We're just talking about the waves it's fine we're gonna get through this the first one was the smallest um it was just sort of as if the tide came in pretty rapidly sure higher than normal but not nuts um it would just sort of touch the foundations of the buildings near the beach and then went back and it receded and it receded and it receded and it kept receding so far in some places that, like, there was just, like, fish left behind. And it's, you know, it's it's hundreds of yards out. And you normally can't reach that part of the beach. So people were just walking out there like, oh, shit, look at all this stuff. Like, I've never been on... Like, this is water, usually. So they're picking up stuff on the beach. and And then... And then... <laughs> they get absolutely their entire shit wrecked by the two following waves, which most people described as being black. Like, I don't know what makes it black, but the waves are this churning black water, which is terrifying. That's what the waves look like in Interstellar. Just an FYI, just saying. I'm so sorry. So, So it's... The next two waves are so big that, like, they are still carrying water at two stories high, five miles inland. Like, they bring so much water with them that it's five miles from the shore and things are still as high as a house. It just sweeps through. And it takes forever to recede. And so, okay, I've talked through a little of the background And a little bit of like eyewitness of what the tsunami actually looked like in a lot of places. So now I'm going to tell you a few survival stories in bits and pieces um, from three different people. And I didn't do this intentionally, but all these people are from the UK. One of them is actually from Sri Lanka. I needed to find one that had enough information from a person who actually lived there. But they're also from the UK. (laughs) Um, And then the other two people were vacationing. What a
1: time to be alive. I know,
0: right? Imagine you go on vacation to fucking somewhere really cool like Indonesia or Thailand, and then this is the shit that happens. It hasn't happened in a hundred years, but (laughs) you're there for it. So our first survivor, Eddie, uh, and this is a girl, E-D-I-E, Eddie Fastnage, uh, was visiting Thailand with her boyfriend, her mother, and her sister. They'd gone kayaking that morning, and they are nearly a mile from land, so they're on the water.
1: Also, I have an answer for your black wave thing. Oh,
0: no. Oh, God. Please, please, please. Oh, God. Okay.
1: So, black water is man-made. The black color is putrefying sewage that accumulates on the ocean floors off of the coastline of continents where humans inhabit.
0: Fuck no. Are you kidding me? That's disgusting. Oh, gross. That, okay, thanks for that. That is, that makes it so much worse. Cause not only is the water terrifying and, and gonna kill you, but it's also a poison. It's yeah. also just sewage and poison. Also, which is just,
1: you can't dive under a tsunami, just FYI. Mm, guys.
0: The water underneath is too turbulent. Yep. There's no way. There's It's carrying so much debris already. Just FYI. Yeah. No, there's, uh, you can get to higher ground. That is what you can do. <laughs> and that's it. Um. So yes, Eddie Fastnage visiting Thailand with her boyfriend, mother, and her sister. They've gone kayaking. So again, cannot stress this enough. They're on the water. They're not on land. They're a mile from land. But they're in boats. Huh? You know, they're in little kayaks. Tiny, they're in the world's smallest boats. Tiny boats. The littlest boat you can have. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be fine. Everything's fine. This is a quote from Eddie. We came to rest at a beautiful spot with limestone columns jutting out of the sea. I felt so happy at that moment, I wanted to take a picture of my mother and sister. When I lowered my camera, the air felt different somehow. It felt wrong. I looked out at the sea, and in the very distance, I could see a ridge. A wave. Moving toward us across the sea, which was otherwise flat. I knew something was very wrong. Now we're going to introduce our next survivor.
1: Oh, God. This now, is stressful. I know,
0: right? I did I, I did this to both of us. And I need you to know that I stressed myself out so that I could stress you out. <laughs> I'm glad I gave you 151. You're right. <laughs> I deserve everything I get. Mm-hmm. All right, so our next survivor. I really want to get her last name right. It's kind of lilting. I'm hoping I can get it. Her first name is Sonali. Barani Yagala, yes. Okay, I listened to it a few times, and that sounds right. So, Sonali (laughs) Baraniagala is from Sri Lanka originally. She grew up there. She eventually moved to the UK. She has a husband and two sons. Her husband is like a white dude. I think he's British. Mm -hmm. And then they live in London with their two young boys, and they just happen to be visiting her parents for the holidays. Mm Hmm. Okay. Good timing. Her parents are still asleep, as it is the morning there. Her husband is in the shower and Sonali then is... the water
1: pressure changes.
0: Yeah, right? Oh my God. I wonder. It never like, says... Like, I genuinely wonder. It never says if he was like, the fuck? I might as well get out of the shower because apparently there's no more water pressure. Oh my God. <laughs> so Sonali is sitting on the couch with a like, friend of hers and they are watching her children play with their new Christmas presents. Living
1: a good life.
0: Yeah, just like really like having a nice fucking the day after Christmas. Mm-hmm. So Sonali and her friend are talking, and her, Sonali's friend is like, she's single, and so she's talking about like, wow, I want you, what you guys have, like, sure. I want to start a family. I would love this. And so Sonali has an interview with NPR, which is where I got a lot of these quotes from her. So she's talking to her friend about how she wants to start a family, and she says, "Oh, what you guys have is a dream." And then the next sentence was, oh, my God, the sea is coming in. Okay, so our third survivor. Ah, you (laughs) motherfucker. Our third survivor, and our last one, I'm only talking about three, is Amanda Rabow. I hate you so much right now. I love you. (laughs) Amanda Rabow was abroad. She's also, again, from fucking London. There's just... I think there was a lot of documentation 10 years after this, specifically in the UK, because there was just so much information about sure. these people. So, she was abroad with her boyfriend for the holiday. They were in a bungalow just off the ocean at a beach resort. Called, uh, like It's either in a place called Khao Lak, or the resort itself is called Khao Lak. It's a little hard to tell from the way things are written. They're in southern Thailand. Uh, this is a quote from Amanda. It sounded like a jumbo jet. Oh. She means like when you're boarding a plane like from the tarmac and you're walking up the st- like literal steps of the plane and the engines are running, it's that fucking loud. And so her boyfriend Daryl just gets up and like runs to open the curtains and he turns around and quote, he had a look of horror on his face. Sure. And he, and he yeah. yeah. And he just screamed at me, get out of the room now. They're both able to jump from the room, like, and out of this building. I think this, like, a bungalow. Like, it's just this one room, little hut. So, they're both able to jump from the room as the wave hits, like, right fucking that. Like, he must have literally looked out the window and seen the wave just upon them. <laughs> yes. Water. Yes. Because if you're hearing the roar long enough to be like, what is that? Yeah. It's close. It's close. Yeah. So, they have barely any time. They get out of there. Amanda is Immediately sucked under the current. She sees her boyfriend sort of able to stay afloat long enough to grab onto a roof. They're that high now. They're that high in the water that he grabs onto a roof and pulls himself up, and she is sucked under. And she's trying to keep her head and her arms above the surface. She keeps bobbing in and out and getting hit with debris that's underneath the water, ending up crushed against a wall. And then something else hits her in the chest, and she's pinned there. And she says, and I just remember taking my last breath before I went under. And then I remember thinking, I hope it's quick. So our first survivor, Eddie Fastnage... fucking hate <laughs> you so goddamn much. So our first... Back to the kayakers. And Eddie's there with her family. She just took a picture. She sees the wave on the horizon and is like, uh-oh. So... They're nowhere near shore, like I mentioned. They are near some, like, rocky outcroppings. Because that's safe. Yeah. So they're a mile out. I'm sure they try to paddle, but there isn't a lot of time. These things move pretty fast. Even at this point, if it's still just going, like, 50 miles an hour and slowing down, (laughs) like, that's very fast. It's going to get to you soon. So it's mere moments from when she has the thought about the horizon looking wrong from when the wave is, like, right fucking there. And she doesn't really remember getting hit by the wave itself, but she does recall being thrown against the cliff face and held there by the water, like, pinned by the pressure of it. She came up once, once the first wave recedes, took a breath, and was hit again, and kept under for a long period of time. And she says, when I eventually surfaced, they had all been swept away. So Eddie... Manages to sort of pin herself in this part of the rock where she can just kind of like jimmy in and be like in the cliff a little bit to hold herself in one spot until the water recedes far enough and calms down enough to be safe. Because I'm sure that even if she only got hit by two massive waves, the waves coming afterwards are Mm -hmm. not good either. So she's able to wait there and be relatively safe. And she is like bleeding. She's cut, bruised. Those rock faces are not nice. Right? And you're, like, being shoved against it. Yeah, not good. She is not doing great. But she manages to sort of drag herself through the water to this little beach nearby. And that is where she finds her boyfriend, Matt. And he's still alive. He also happened to survive. And she says... It was incredible, one of the best moments of my life. I had prepared myself on the rocks. I could be the only person who survived. But Matt survived. So, like, she's in that little rock face, like, thinking, like,
1: was okay. probably just me.
0: everybody's dead. Everyone's dead but me, yeah. But he was there. However, Eddie didn't find the rest of her family on that beach. Later, her mother's body would be recovered from the water, and her sister Alice was never found. Oh. A lot of people went missing, just straight up missing.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, the thing is with the current, once it pulls back out, you're just, like, bodies were taken to the deep right. ocean. Yeah.
0: Never Absolutely. to be seen again. hmm Like, not even recovery processes. Yeah, I mean, how would you? Yeah. How would you, where would you start? Like, yeah. I'm sure they, they did their best and they recovered yeah. as many the bodies. The fact that they were
1: able to recover some of the
0: bodies is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of them I'm sure were left, you know, clinging to different Mm -hmm. debris and inside, Mm -hmm. you know, certain buildings and that sort of thing. But a lot, a lot of people went missing. So now we're going to jump back to Sonali again. Sure. So Sonali. rude. (laughs) So sorry. I kind of like it. It's fun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sonali and her family, they were the ones, you know, sitting there Christmas time. They see the wave or at least her friend sees the wave and they all just jump at action. Her family wastes no time getting out of there. They see one hint of that and they're like, we got to We got to get the fuck out. I'm sure I'm pretty sure they wake up her parents. Sure. And her husband, Steve, grabs both of their children and they just flee. They manage to hitch a ride on a Jeep that is just leaving the area for higher ground that is tearing away from the ocean, but it isn't fast enough. Nope. The water rises up around them and seeps into the car. And Sonali is sitting across from her husband and suddenly he gets this awful look on his face and he is looking behind her. And this is a quote. I think he saw the wave when it was rising and it was coming at us. She says, the last I saw of Steve was that look on his face where he looked completely aghast, seeing something that I couldn't see, but I couldn't turn back. I didn't have time to turn back and look. Because that's when the jeep turned over and we were all dispersed. Sonali would eventually go on to write a book. Sure. I will talk a little bit more about it, um, about her experience. And this is what she writes about when the wave hit. Am I underwater? It didn't feel like water, but it has to be, I thought. I was being dragged along and my body was whipped backwards and forwards. I couldn't stop myself. When at times my eyes opened, I couldn't see water, smoky and gray. That was all I could make out. And my chest, it hurt like I was being pummeled by a great stone. Sonali believes she was buffeted around in the water for 20 minutes. Sure. Like, she must have just had chances to grab tiny breaths Mm -hmm. before getting hit with more stuff. Um, Eventually, she's able to stay on the surface long enough to grab a nearby tree branch and just pull herself up above the water. Where she stays until things start to recede, and then she is found unconscious in a lagoon and taken to the hospital. And it is in the hospital that she finds out that she is the only member of her family to survive. Her children, her husband, her parents, her friend, they all died pretty much right at that moment when the wave hits the Jeep. So uh, she goes... For to her uncle and aunt's house and stays there for many months. She barely ever leaves her room. She vows never to return to the site of the tsunami, nor her family's house in London. Amanda Rabau, you remember she's the one who hears the jumbo jet sound mm-hmm. and barely makes it out. She is pinned underwater. She believes she has taken her last breath. And then something pulled on my hand this man he pulled me out between this really small gap she was able to breathe and for, but for only for like one moment and then another wave hits and she and the man are swept back into the water she believes she was in the water trying to stay above the surface like fighting for breath holding on to debris getting taken under pulling herself back up for 3 hours
1: Fuck. 3
0: fucking hours I mean, I can't imagine knowing exactly how long you are doing that for because time would probably dilate and just feel like eternity. But also three hours might totally be legit. Like, the water stayed at a height for so long and who knows. When the water finally receded, Amanda was... A lone survivor surrounded by bodies, like a, just a bunch of dead bodies all around her and all this debris, including the man who had saved her initially. Aww. I have a lot of questions, she says, in my head, in life, whether you do the right thing by someone. And She never really finishes that thought. And she goes on, he should have survived because he saved my life without a doubt, but he didn't survive. So I mean, there's
1: a lot of factors that also go into it,
0: and mm-hmm. a person's health, and yeah. just bad fucking luck. Mm-hmm. When, he, when he got swept under again, he could have hit his head on yeah. something. Like, anything can happen. He could have happen. gotten hit by a literal side of a house. Like, it is much more miraculous that she lived through that. Yeah. That it's, it's insane. Like, everyone could have died. Yeah. The fact that one person, any of these people that I'm talking about, survived, it's like yeah. incredible luck. But this is that survivor's guilt thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like she's like, why would he saved me? Yeah. He should get to live too. Yeah. Even over me. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. So the first time she saw herself in a mirror after what happened, Oh God. She realized that there were large pieces of wood sticking out of her body, mm-hmm. not splinters, not like little things, like big ass pieces of wood sticking out of her body for the next few days. They're just there in that area. They're not able to leave. The roads aren't clear. Nothing can get to them for, like, at least, I think it's over a week. They All they can hear is, like, the sound of helicopters as there are, like, rescue attempts and um, supplies being brought to the area, yeah. tents being set up for survivors, I know like blood that. was brought there because that was the first time I donated. Oh, that's legit. I would 100% believe mm-hmm. that was, like, a worldwide thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, huge deal. So they waited there for over a week for the roads to be clear, and then they got someone else paid for their bus fare to Bangkok so that they could go home. And the entire bus ride to Bangkok, she is violently ill. Oh, fuck. She's, she just said, like, I don't know, like, brown water, and I don't even know what was coming out of my body. And, like, yeah. I mean, honestly, if you were confronted with I just, mean, like, a sewage wave yeah, and you're in it, Yep,
1: and you're sucking some of it down mm-hmm. and... Breathing it. Breathing and... it and just existing around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you... they, they even say, not just with tsunamis, but just with flooding, to not swim in the water.
0: Oh, yeah, no, that water is not cool. It's not good. So, like, take that and multiply it times, like, a 1000 mm-hmm. yeah. From the deep ocean. Yeah. Um, in some places that, like, are industrialized and not regulated well. Yes. So, like, think of the sewage, yeah. like the industrial sewage. In 2004,
1: sewage. like, mm-hmm. we've kind of gotten better. In some places, yeah. We've kind of gotten worse. In, but in a lot of places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those fucking regulations get rolled back,
0: but it's fine. Right, exactly. So. Like, in, industry's just doing whatever bad. they want. It's throwing bad. whatever in the water. Exactly. So, like. It is not that crazy that I'm. I'm surprised I didn't hear more people being super duper fucking sick. Sure. Anyone looking at survivor stories, but she definitely was. Um, but when she gets back to London, she is carted in a, in a wheelchair because she is still not able to walk. Like she just is too weak and dehydrated and can't do it. But they do make it back to London. And actually like they have an interview with her that they showed a clip of from like right when she got back oh, God. and she's like got this big black eye and she looks really sickly like she's lost a lot of weight really quickly. And, uh, she's really upset in the, she's like super distraught in it. And it's kind of super sad actually, because she was talking about a girl she met, I think her name was Heidi from Argentina and she saw her in the water and the girl reached out for her and said, take my hand. And she was like, I knew I couldn't take her hand. You have to stay afloat yourself. You can't grab onto people. It won't help. You will both drown. So I didn't grab her hand and now I don't know where she is. And I'm like, oh my god! She's like crying. It's like, don't film this woman. Oh, leave her, leave alone. her alone. This just happened. Let her fucking grieve. Mm-hmm. And
1: like the rest it's of the, the interview, same goddamn thing with like people moving cameras into other people's uh-huh. faces. Like,
0: leave them alone. Just get the fuck away from god. them. It's awful. It's awful. This poor woman. Vultures. And yeah, it's like ten years later when they what are doing the story on. They just like showed that clip from way back when. But even ten years later, she. Obviously looks much better. (laughs) She's looking healthy now and all of that, but she's still, like, there are parts of it she can't talk about without crying. Okay. So back one more time to Eddie. Eddie Fastnage. Um, She would eventually go on to marry her boyfriend, who she found on the beach, Matt. So as far as I know...
1: Trauma bonding thing, if I've ever seen one. You straight
0: up go through
1: Mm -hmm. some shit. You have someone who understands exactly what you just went Mm -hmm. through. Was there
0: when you lost the rest of your family, too. Like, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah. I would totally get it. So she marries him. She returns to London and eventually starts a charity called Music for Alice. Oh, Yeah, her sister Alice had been studying to become a music teacher when she died. So the charity in her name raises money to give grants to organizations using music to change lives. Oh. And the article shows like her going to one of the first um, organizations to benefit from the charity and like watching some kids play music. And she says like, I actually had tears in my eyes when I started watching them. It made me think that Alice would be really proud and really happy with what we were doing to remember her today. So that's really nice. Sonali, eventually, you know, she's in her deep depression. She lost her entire family. She's staying with her aunt and uncle. She eventually drags herself out of this hole of losing everyone slowly. It takes months. And she goes with her uncle to visit the wreckage of the house. And, like, it's cleaned up, but not, like, really. Mm A lot of these places are not, you know... It's not like there's an overarching government that's like going to come in and clean up everything all at once. So it's still kind of largely left untouched from when it was hit by the wave. And, um, she found things that belong to them for a long time. She was sort of like, I don't want to even see anything that will remind me of them. But her uncle is standing there and he asks for a moment and she sort of gives him some space and he starts speaking to Steve and his Um, nephews being like if you can hear me right now I really hope you can hear me right now and like something flutters underneath his foot and she goes for it and sees that it is the back of like a report written by Steve in his job and then she from that point on she was like I'm gonna find everything I need to find everything that was ours here she looks for toys and things like that and then eventually she gets the courage back up four years after this happens, to go back to the house in London. She had friends taking care of it, I guess. Um, she's a doctor, too. They had good jobs. So this house, yeah. they just, like, apparently where they were able to keep it, but she wasn't staying there, and she told her friends to not touch anything, just sure. keep it the way it w- yeah. was. So she gets there, and it's like they had just left for their trip. Ugh. Yeah. Eventually suddenly learns to sort of, like, embrace all of this enough to let it go a bit, and then she moves to New York, and this is where she seeks therapy, and she eventually starts writing a memoir of her life revolving around the tragedy, and it's called Wave, and it's released in 2013, and I actually super want to read it, because I guess it goes through, like, her life, but then also, you know, starts and is interspersed with the story of what happened the day of the tsunami. Um... You want to know the weirdest part, though? (laughs) So I didn't know this until after I decided her story. Fiona Shaw, an actress in, like, a bunch of shit. Mm -hmm. She's in Harry Potter, and she's in Killing Eve, and she's in a bunch of stuff. um, Read Sonali's book and asked to meet her because she was like, this is my favorite book of all time. Like, this is an incredible story. I can't believe this. Like, can I please meet you? They meet through mutual friends. They hit it off. They're married now. (laughs) I know. shit no so yeah Sonali is is married again to a a very famous actress (laughs) and uh they seem very happy yeah there's been a lot of articles because like fiona shaw's like 60 and so she was she had a lot of like interviews about talking about finding love later in life yeah that's really cool yeah finally amanda rabow She struggled with physical and psychological effects of what happened to her, um, especially the psychological. She got over her illness and everything, but she just, she had a lot of survivor's guilt. She says, I felt like I should have died. I felt so guilty, felt guilty for surviving and someone else not having the chance to survive. I couldn't ever sleep. I didn't want to do anything and I was scared to do anything. But despite feeling that way, within six weeks of leaving Thailand, Amanda Rabau and a group of her friends raised 50,000 pounds for the relief effort, and they travel back to Thailand. They go back to the exact place where it happened, and they start helping to rebuild and clean up. And they're trying to decide what to use their money for. They literally like just have it to give. Mm-hmm. And they haven't done it to a charity or anything, but they go to that specific spot, and they see a man mixing cement by hand and they're like we're gonna buy a cement mixer that's what we'll do so they buy a cement mixer and they stay for a while and they help clean up and she tries to look for the family of the man who pulled her out of the water but she never learned his name and like yeah there's not a lot of time to talk right exactly i mean literally none i'm sure literally. she looked at him for three whole seconds before shit went bad again but she, she tried to find him. I, it never said that she did. I would assume that she wasn't really able to, yeah. but I mean, she's still talking about that guy like 10 years later. Sure. Well, she was 10 years later. So it stands out. Yeah. She's like, that guy saved my fucking life. I want everybody to know about him. Yeah. So, uh, this is a quote from her just sort of about everything. I know I had a life before 2004. I was born in 1976, I know that, (laughs) but I survived that day for one reason or another, and I was meant to survive to have my children. So I think of my life as of that day. That day my new life began, and I see life from 2004, not before. It's it's kind of crazy to think, like she was almost like reborn in her own mind, like she should have died, and she didn't.
1: Well, I mean, trauma reshapes the way you view everything. Mm -hmm. And something that literally change your
0: brain strong. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm sure she's a different person. Mm -hmm. She went, she came out of the way of like a different person than she went in. So why not view it that way? Yep. Just a final thing. (laughs) The 2004 Indian ocean earthquake and tsunami killed more than 230,000 people in 14 different countries. Though over two thirds of those deaths deaths were from Indonesia alone, mm. so they really got hit. It was awful. Um, very few had enough warning to save any lives. Um, but you know, since then there have been some advancements in that sort of thing and education. And I I wasn't able to find like which countries might have gotten some early warning uh, radar and devices and things like that. But I know that that was something that they were working on moving forward after they were able to clean up it was just like such a shit show that they're like we need to be able to predict when this is going to happen again yeah. we need to be watching for seismic activity and then once seismic activity is detected we need to be watching for tsunami indicators because with this can't happen again it was too many people so yeah I'm sorry. I mean there was some light in there. Everybody's story turns out nice and they all go on to have like good lives and be good people, but uh it's also just like really fucking sad the whole time. <laughs> so sorry. How how do you feel? How's the zombie? It still sucks. It still sucks. Um I don't hate it, but I mean I'm oh god, I'm going to be drunk if I drink all this. <laughs> Also,
1: <laughs> the video that I sent you of the waves mm-hmm. is from the Indian Ocean.
0: Really? Why don't I remember this video? So... I must have like seen it at a bad time and then been like, "Oh, will I mean, it was like 11 didn't... o'clock at night. Oh, maybe I was already in bed and then, yeah. Hold on. Because do I want to... Oh, I hate the picture of yeah. that. Is yeah. this off the side of a boat? Uh huh. In the middle of the Indian Ocean. It is this 50-second... Video mm-hmm. of the biggest waves I've ever seen. And these are normal. Like this is a These, these are normal. This
1: is just like the Indian Ocean being an ass. Being what it is.
0: Oh how do you not just get so existentially horrified? Mm-hmm. You work on that boat and all you do is think about how small you are. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You should post that. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Just, be, I just want everyone to feel the dread we feel. Yeah. I mean, it's gorgeous. Like it's a really beautiful color and everything, and it's very pretty. But if, also, it could kill you. It if could you kill were you in, in a second. Uh, yeah, that's genuinely the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Thanks, Emily. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm really glad I didn't look at that at 11 o'clock at night. What were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> that I was traumatized and I wanted you to be traumatized with me. Okay, that's completely fucking fair. Now I want to find like um, tsunami videos. Did anybody take a video before There's, it? There have been videos.
1: I've looked them up on YouTube. Because you hate yourself? Because I hate myself. And I have huge anxiety about being stuck in an actual disaster. So obviously the best result for that. It's to watch a bunch of videos about natural disasters that have the videos
0: of the natural disasters. So, um, oh, that's legit. Yeah. So, you can you you can't be surprised by it because you have right. seen footage. Right. I get right. that. I get that feeling. Hold on. I'm I'm turning this down, but uh, this is the 2004 tsunami caught on camera full video. Oh, hey. Yeah. Oh, wow. Do you want to just take a second and watch some tsunami videos? Heart like... noise? Yes. Thank you. Okay, we're back. We literally did just take like a hot man to watch our own uh, tsunami videos. Yeah, we really did just up our own uh, terror and discomfort by quite a bit uh, for no reason. So actually, that's why we do this podcast, because I think we're afraid of a lot of things. We are. But we prefer to stare them right in the face. So. (laughs) I'm going to tell a story. Oh, no.
1: I'm like. 90% 90% sure we haven't done this one. Okay. Okay.
0: I'm just gonna I'm sure you're probably right. Cuz like it's a pretty memorable story, so I feel like we have done our fair share of people who have survived at sea stories. Mm-hmm. Like maybe at least a couple each. Mm-hmm. But they're always different. There's always something else going on. So. So. I'm excited. It's November, mm-hmm.
1: 1961. Mm. A Wisconsin family. Oh shit. Chartered a boat for a trip from Fort Lauderdale, Florida to the Bahamas. Oh, okay. Arthur and Jean Duperreau trusted the ship's captain, Julian Harvey, that he would safely take them there.
0: See, I don't like how you said that, just with now.
1: <laughs> They're three children. No. 14 year old Brian, 11 uh-huh. year old Terry Joe, mm-hmm. and seven year old Renee. Okay. Unfortunately. Oh, no. The captain murdered everyone on the boat, including his new wife. What?
0: The only one to survive was Terry Joe. Whoa. So. Hell of an intro. Gotta say, hey, M. Hell of an intro. We're really right in it now, aren't we?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so the captain had planned already to murder his own wife at sea to collect the insurance money. Okay. Okay. And he ended up, like... The boat was sinking. He jumped on a dinghy with the body of the youngest daughter, Renee, and left Terry Joe alone on the sinking ship. What? Like, expecting her, basically, to be taken to the bottom of the ocean.
0: What the fuck? First of all, classic villain move. If you want somebody to die, you better make damn sure they're dead before you leave. Yeah. But, okay. So, the name of the ship was the Bluebell. Cute.
1: And the family were pretty pretty well off. They sure. were from Green Bay.
0: Uh as the, the well-off often are. <laughs>
1: was a doctor. Uh-huh. He was an optometrist.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: had dreamed of living a year on the sea, like on a sailboat. Oh wow. Oh lord. So they said fuck it to the Midwest winter and decided to go to the Bahamas. You know, just sail for a week and yeah. then if they liked it, they could stay. hmm So God,
0: that sounds awesome.
1: <laughs> Julian Harvey, the captain, was a former Air Force fighter pilot and an experienced sailor. Okay. And captain to a catch, which is a type of sailboat, which is called the Bluebell. Cute. Captain Harvey had been married for three months. Okay. So Mary Dean Jordan, who acted as crew and came aboard. Okay. So they set sail on November 8th to go from Fort Lauderdale to Bimini. And it was good. Like, they were like, <laughs> hey, this is good. Everything, Everything was, was this. fine.
0: Nothing was suspicious or weird at all, I'm sure.
1: And really, Harvey hadn't planned to kill everyone. Just his wife. But... And they just used... Their trip as a cover for an accident at sea. I see, okay. Because he had purchased an insurance policy on his wife. Ah. Which had a double indemnity clause, which paid twice the face amount in the case of accidental death. Okay, great. Now, you might be thinking, wow, that's malevolent.
0: No shit, huh? How
1: fucking dare he? This wasn't the first time he's done this. Oh, no, 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 no. This was his third wife. Has, was it, he's killed his other two wives? As far as I know, he's done this at least once. Okay. My God, dude. Because one of his wives also died under mysterious causes.
0: Okay, well, that sounds.
1: He hadn't, like I said, planned to kill the family. Mm Mm-hmm. But around 9 p.m. on November 12th, Terry Jo was asleep below deck, and she woke to hear the sound of her brother yelling, help, daddy, help. Oh, no. Now, she was 11. hmm So, obviously, that's fucking terrifying.
0: Mm-hmm. That is literally the but last thing you
1: want. After being paralyzed with fear for a little bit, she summoned the courage to go up to the main cabin. She 10. found the bodies of her mother and brother. And when she went on deck, she found even more blood. Mm. The captain told her to go back below deck. Now she has no idea what's going on. Right. It's the 60s. He was an authority <sighs> figure. Uh huh. So she trusted him. But then there was water in the bunk. So she's like, I'm not fucking staying down here. Yeah. <laughs> so she goes back up where the captain's like, yep, the boat's sinking. Mm-hmm. Hands her a rope to a dinghy, which was holding the lifeless body of her little sister. Oh. And in shock, she let go of the dinghy rope. Like she was like, what the fuck? hmm. He, the captain, Harvey, dove into the water to get on the dinghy. And she never saw him again. Okay. So she's standing on this deck of a ship, uh huh, surrounded by blood, as it's sinking, orphaned at sea. What the fuck does she do?
0: I d- wh- one. As an answer to that,
1: I don't know.
0: Two, holy
1: shit. So, her. I'll get into it later, but basically, like, one of her parents overheard the struggle sure when he was trying to kill his wife that makes sense got involved
0: and everything just went very wrong very he bad. was just like i gotta get rid of now everyone get rid now. of everyone now oh, why he doesn't just kill her outright is interesting yes I okay think he was running out of time yeah true ship is sinking. so
1: like i think if he'd had his plan He would have had her get on the small ship and then would have, like, thrown her overboard or something. Right. Mm -hmm. Horrible, awful, gross. Right. But he doesn't, thankfully. That is good. And she's very smart. She remembered that there was a cork float on the ship. Now, I did a metric ton of Googling. (laughs) I couldn't find anything, but I'm guessing from the pictures of... When she was rescued, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, she gets rescued. <laughs> this is a survivor this podcast. This is a survival podcast. <laughs> it's like a rubber inner tube with a mesh bottom, kind oh, of. Oh, okay. So, okay. not great. It's not great, it's something. So, she untied it and climbed aboard as the bluebell is like underwater. Just like in she time. She just gets enough time to get on board before the ship is sinking. Fuck. So, because it's not meant for long-term use, unfortunately, the materials of the flotation device she was using begin to disintegrate. Oh, no. She was on there for days. And she was forced to dangle her legs over the side. Mm-hmm. And because it's the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. She's bitten by some parrotfish. Oh, okay. Rich, have you ever seen a parrotfish? I think I know what they... This is yeah. a fucking parrotfish.
0: That looks like the dinkiest, dorkiest, most colorful it's the fish. the dinkiest, dorkiest fucking thing with the sharpest of fucking teeth. Sorry, it looks like it's got some like razor sharp, tiny little teeth, yeah. but it otherwise looks like such a nerd.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and like, I can confirm part of my other anxiety about the ocean mm-hmm. is like story time. Mm -hmm. I went snorkeling when I was like nine in Mexico and the guys that took us snorkeling were trying to like get more fish because we had a guy with us that was a scuba diver Mm -hmm. that was just free diving and going really deep and like taking really cool photos of fish. That's awesome. So they were trying to bring out more fish. So they started throwing in chips and pieces of banana.
0: Hmm.
1: It kind of started like a feeding frenzy with some of the fish. (laughs) Uh If you didn't know this, angelfish bite. Oh, okay. They're real pretty, but it fucking hurts. Ow, I didn't know that. So I started getting bitten by all these fish. Mm -hmm, mm So I'm screaming in the water. (laughs) And I climb, like, I can't, because I was like nine. Mm -hmm. I was holding on to the side of the boat. And I was holding on so tightly that the oil paint from the bottom of the boat that never really fully dries uh-huh. transferred onto my legs. <laughs> so like the front half of my body was just green oh. because I was holding on so tightly. Oh my God. So if you're going snorkeling, don't feed the fish.
0: Okay. Well, right. so this isn't good for you. She's just getting She's just getting bitten. Because she can't keep her legs out of the water. Yeah.
1: So on the third night... She is obviously hungry. She's very dehydrated. She's been out in the sun. Mm-hmm. She starts hallucinating. Um, she says she felt as if she were in the cockpit of an airliner and her father was offering her a glass of red wine and saying, come on, Terry Joe, we're leaving. Oh,
0: a glass of red wine? Yeah. What a weird hallucination for an 11-year-old. So, tiny spark of light. Mm-hmm. At
1: one point... She was getting circled by something, and she was like, what the fuck? What the fuck? (sighs) It was a pot of porpoises that had found her. Oh. And they started circling her and protecting her.
0: Oh, that's nice, because you said circling,
1: and I was instantly afraid. And they apparently remained very close to her for several hours. Wow. So, like, she was able to let her guard down a little bit. Oh, that's nice. November 16th, so remember, this all went down on November 12th. Right. Four days later. So, four days later... A sailor on a Greek freighter noticed a tiny speck on the water in the distance. When the ship pulled up to it, they realized it was afloat, and they were shocked to discover that it was supporting the nearly lifeless body of Terry Joe. Oh, shit. So her appearance was so startling that one sailor took a photo, <laughs> which is the one I showed you. This
0: very famous photo that we should also post.
1: And they quickly lowered a makeshift raft to get her. Okay. But before they could get to her, sharks began circling. No,
0: no, no, no. What the fuck kind of timing is that? So they had to wait.
1: But they were eventually able to hoist her on board. Okay.
0: Karma time. Uh Uh-huh. Julian Harvey Mm -hmm. was still alive. Trying to make out like his ship sank and he Mm -hmm. lost his wife and all these people. He
1: claimed that the bluebell had caught fire. And that everyone had become entangled with rigging and he was the only one who made it out alive. Oh, my God. Okay. As luck would have it, Mm. the police received word that Terry Joe was rescued while Harvey was sitting at the police station giving his testimony. Yo! They put... Oh, my God. (laughs) Sorry, that's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. They put him on the phone to confirm the information of what flotation equipment was on board of the bluebell upon learning that Terry Joe was still alive. It's quoted that he
0: exclaimed, ain't that wonderful. Can I uh, predict how he may have said it? Mm (laughs) Oh, I guess. (laughs) Ain't that wonderful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then he started crying comically um, into his head because he
1: wasn't under arrest yet. He found an opportunity to excuse himself from the police station. What uh, the fuck? He out. fled to a Miami hotel, where he then killed himself.
0: Holy shit! What? Damn it! I wanted him to face fucking I know. justice. He that did not sucks. want to face justice.
1: What a coward! Now, he probably would have gotten away with it if she hadn't survived, because mm-hmm. the autopsy report showed his new wife's cause of death as drowning. Sure. Which supports the story, and because uh-huh. this is the 1960s, forensic technology isn't what it is today, mm-hmm. and they probably didn't check for bruising or anything along those lines. Why not,
0: you know, believe
1: him? Yeah. So, not only was Terry Joe the sole survivor of her family's murder mm-hmm. at the age of 11. Yeah, what the fuck? But did survive four days on a raft in the middle of the sea. No food or water. Just her and some porpoises. <laughs> porpoises with a purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she grew up mm-hmm. after all of this. She got married. Nice. Had six children of her own. Dang. And then five grandchildren. Nice. And has dedicated her life to working with water. So she spent 14 years as a water management specialist. With really? <laughs> The Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. Hey, cool. And in 2010, she co-authored the book Alone, Orphaned on the Ocean. Wow. So it's literally like if she hadn't been found in that moment, like her hair was sun-bleached blonde, Mm -hmm. like the shirt she was wearing had been bleached by the sun. It was almost impossible to see her at that point
0: oh my god yeah she would have been withering away gleaming in the light like unable to see and then just dying she was already like unconscious right so if you've
1: ever wondered why when you look at like the photos of the titanic and like old tubes and things that were used by the coast guard Mm. of why they were all like white and everything it was literally because of terry joe that everything got changed to orange
0: really so it's easier to easier spot. spot yeah you would think white would be but no the way the nope. light gleams on the water
1: so after everything the coast guard mandated that rescue equipment must be orange to increase vis- visibility wow. against the seawater
0: that's good so
1: Fuck. yeah
0: well shit terry joe yeah uh you we have not done that one before yeah. i can confirm so that's good cool one day we'll get through all the survived at sea ones, because I think we like those a lot. Jeez, that's the youngest person mm-hmm. we've talked about, that's for sure. To have to do that. Yeah. And and her ass didn't drink the seawater, even though she was hallucinating. She did not drink the seawater. I'm so proud of mm-hmm. her. I think, you know, obviously if they were if her father Her was father like liked sailing. A sailor. Yeah. yeah. She he would have taught her a bunch he of stuff. stuff. But remember the last people you talked about who survived at sea? Like two of them drank the fucking water, and then like one of them threw themselves off the life. Yes, bed. like
1: yeah, and like was immediately eaten by sharks. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm really mad that guy didn't meet justice though. I I'm know. Gonna, I'm gonna say I know. Fuck I that really, shit.
1: Really. Like if that had happened today, there's no fucking way they would have let him leave the police right? station. Right? Like I'm but he's, sorry.
0: What now? <laughs> he was.
1: A veteran. Mm mm-hmm. hmm. He been must through not have. Some, quote, trauma with his ship sinking. Mm hmm.
0: He must not have been under any sort of suspicion for the previous murder no. of a previous no. wife. They probably didn't know to look into it until they found out about this one. Mm hmm. <sighs> that's my least favorite way for someone to get away with murder. <laughs> it's one, boring. Two, unimaginative. Three, fucking seems like people get away with it kind of a lot. Yeah. The insurance
1: just like... There are ways to make it look like someone died by natural causes.
0: Mm-hmm. You can and, Google just about, a, I'm sure, a hundred of them right now. Yeah.
1: And back in the 60s and 70s when they weren't tracking that kind of shit, when you could just go to the library... Under that little Dewey decimal system, just pull out some books, mm-hmm. make some notes.
0: Nobody needed to know what you were researching. And then you set those notes on fire when you're done, right? You learn what you need to learn. You put it to good use. Mm-hmm. You get rid of the evidence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're you know we're all being watched all the time now, and in a lot of ways that's very disturbing. But sometimes I do think. If someone's murdered someone else, we should be able to look back at their internet history and be yeah. like, hey, hey, they they did a whole they did a whole Google search on how to strangle someone. So But I, I mean think I've wanna... also
1: like made some weird Google searches when I've done writing stuff. So yes, like
0: But you haven't killed anyone after doing those, I hope. I think you would be smarter than that. Well, if you're going to do the weird searches, just don't kill anybody immediately after. If you're
1: going to do the weird searches, do it on somebody else's computer. That is also very true.
0: Um, That's our pro tip to you. Uh, <laughs> do you mind if I borrow your computer this week? Or um,
1: I do. I super do. Oh
0: man, just it's like a couple of things. I got like you know, two things I need to. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. Mm.
1: As a final note, uh huh. We were playing D anD D yesterday. Yes. I did have a literal can of water. You did,
0: and I'm very disappointed in myself. <laughs> yeah, her, she literally was like, "Oh man, this is—I'm literally drinking a can of water." It was a Lacroix, everyone, and, <laughs> and it wasn't like a fancy one. It was just the plain water one, right? But it is really like—it's literally it's a can of water,
1: a can of water. I'm
0: so sorry. And like
1: Kate looked at, and
0: she's like, "Ah," I'm like, "Fuck." <laughs> So you should definitely, definitely be like some of my survivors, like Eddie and Sonali and Amanda. And you should definitely super be like Terry Joe. Mm-hmm. And especially what you should never ever do is be just like Emily and forget that you're drinking a can of water. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Listen here Don't you forget your can of water. Of <laughs> <shit>. <laughs>